everybody, welcome to episode 114 of From the Jingweeds. Yes, in fact, it is 114 this week. Last time I said it was 114 and it was really 113. Well, for you fucks counting at home, this week's 114. But before I get started, let's thank our sponsor. Southwest Turf Support's been sponsoring From the Jingweeds podcast for a couple of months now, and I fully appreciate your support. Uh, I want to give them a little shout. They provide golf courses and sports fields with their highest quality products and services. Southwest Turf Support's located here in Arizona. but They also take care of Nevada, California, and also New Mexico. The product line contains Florentine Foliar, Guru Turf Colorants, Turf Men, Grow Power, Ninja Tines, JRM Incorporated, and also the full catalog from Par West Turf. Hey, if you guys need anything, why don't you give them a look at swturfsupport.com. That's swturfsupport.com. Any questions or anything like that, why don't you give them a shout. Once again, I want to thank you guys for supporting it. Supporting the pod. Giving us a couple bucks. Fuck it. Hey, this week I'm going out as a single. I got nobody in studio. Probably going to rant and rave about a few things. Uh, Got a beer or two in me. Uh, A new beer. Very new beer here from Phoenix. We'll get to that later. But uh, let's get into this thing. So a little bit of things going on with golf season. You know, golf is changing. Uh, Golf's changing here in Arizona. We are in the middle of overseed. I open up the canyon on Friday the 21st. There are some golf courses out here in Arizona that have already overseed and opened. There are some that are about to just shut down. Uh, I know my partner, Dan, he's got 36 holes down at Rio Verde. He did uh, 18 of them two weeks ago. Uh, Got hit with a little bit of rain. Had a few issues with some washout stuff. Uh, They're reseeding. They'll be fine at the end of all of this. But uh, that's one of the issues that... you know, this time of year, you never know what's going to happen. And that last rainstorm that they uh, got down there, or we all got, but some areas were hit a little bit hotter than others. You know, an area like Dan's, he got, you know, a little bit over half an inch, I don't know, three quarters of an inch. You know, basically the day or two after dropping seed, mine was on the ground. Uh, and I had no issues. And I probably got, I don't know, maybe about, four tenths of an inch of rain so pretty much perfect but uh i don't know it's something that i do for everybody out here in arizona that deals with this bullshit of overseeding Uh, i've talked about it many times is you know i mow that seed in and my feeling is to create a little bit of the thatch of the longer grass that i've left you know i leave the bermuda grass at about a half an inch seed it and then I mow it all in and you create that little bit of thatch of the clippings. And my goal is, one, when I turn on the water, that that stuff kind of gets a little bit more moisture holding in there. And also, you know, when times come like this, when it starts pouring rain, is my goal is that that seed is beat down into the ground, you know, with a little bit more contact of the soil. And it stays there when it rains. You know, I know... I know Dan, for instance, but there's others. Dan does not, you know, shave everything down to the ground like the old school days when you would burn it straight to the ground. Those guys that do that now still, which I don't even know how many there are, um, you know, half an inch of rain would wash. All you see is probably your neighboring golf course, and they would love it because they get a little bit extra. 
But uh, that's one of the things that I do. You know, I keep telling people to give it a shot. You know, maybe that'll save you from that kind of washout problem. But fuck it. He'll be fine. It's just it's just extra work. And it's just another little curveball thrown in there. But, you know, Mother Nature sometimes a bitch. We, you know, I was looking at older, you know, weather from last year. And I had fought at the, not really fought, but I had major suggestions to uh, my ownership group was, hey, the perfect time of year, we have studied this for a long time here in the Southwest, is the best time of year to overseed is the second week of October. Uh, nighttime temperatures are low, middle of the day is a little bit warm for germination. Uh, you're pretty much past the issue of the monsoon season or the big rains, so you don't have to deal with the shit we're dealing with right now. Right now, the golf courses are getting fucking smoked. It's Saturday night, October 15th, and I looked a little while ago, and there's a... So I had a bunch of bird shit in my rain gauge that's connected to my weather station, so when I log in there, I couldn't see what it was, so I logged into a homeowner that's on number 12 of the golf course, and they're uh, connected to a website. It's called Weather Underground. No free ads, but uh, you can... Homeowners can register their weather stations there, or anybody can, but... Particularly, I have a guy on number, or a family on number 12 that has theirs registered, and I was looking, and I've had 0.7 inches of rain here in the past two or three hours. Um, I'm glad I've had a couple mows on my golf course. Everything's in. I did throw some extra seed to sprinkle. You know, I start with 350 pounds to the acre of seed, which is extremely low by most people's standards. Um fuck it. I don't care. It all worked out last year. I'm not going to change it, but I do sweeten just the fairways, you know, the low cut areas, a little bit of approach areas, some tee boxes. And I saw this rain coming. So I threw it out on Friday, Thursday and Friday, another 50 pounds an acre. And, uh, we mowed it in Friday. And then me and another employee came in today and we dropped heights on the fairways and remowed it all in, really just trying to get rid of some clippings and also get a better cut on that long, stringy ryegrass. Uh, but anyways, uh, that's what what's going on there. Uh, I kind of lost my train of thought there, you know, and I don't have anybody in this room to bounce some shit off. My head's going to only really bounce whatever's in there off. Um, but... That's just changing the seasons right now. We're going from really good, I thought, at the end of the summertime to now we're going to open up the golf course. Yeah, it's going to look great. It's going to be striped up and all this other shit. But as far as the playability of what I think golf is, I've said it a thousand times in this over the 114 episodes, but I keep beating it in, is golf here in October sucks. It's really not that good until really, I mean, quite honestly, Christmas. We always say it's Thanksgiving, but that's really our overseed season. We just keep overseeding everything we do from the time, you know, I say February when we're ripping out last year's ryegrass all the way through all the, ag, you know, the cultural uh, processes that we do all summer long, the airifying, the verticutting, the build up that Bermuda base is really that's part of overseeding because the better your 
Yeah, here you go. How are you doing by yourself? How many beers do you have? I swear I only had like three of them. But anyways, the building up that Bermuda base is the goal to make that surface better as we overseed into it. So then we drop the seed at whatever time we close, you know, October 1st or whatever it is. And then you're still going to sit and push and pound water and sweeten areas and fertilize a little extra here. Everything's getting a little extra in the to keep pushing till that first frost when then growth is over with. Probably by then, maybe out here anyways, you've sprayed your uh, your growth regulators. And then possibly some of us or some of you that can, some of us, that's me in that category, is maybe you're spraying your barricades to stop those winter weeds from growing. So any barricade, which is a, a pre-emergent, is going to stop any extra ryegrass that you think that you're going to grow. So it's right around that frost window that you want to get that out there. Um, and that's your season. Pretty, pretty much it. You are who you are. You are who you think you are on Thanksgiving. A uh, little bit warmer weather every so often. Maybe a little bit of rain helps you out a year in, year out type of thing. But based on history, that's it. Until you start coming out of all the frost in February, March, weather warms up and ryegrass explodes. And now you've got, holy shit, like last year, I was like, oh my God, I put out 300 pounds to the acre, sweetened it with 50 pounds after that. And then come March, it was now time bailing hay. And by then we start to think, some of us anyways, we start to think, hey, let's start nicking this ryegrass a little bit. Whether the old school way that I did it at the other golf course was like, let's over fertilize, not over fertilize, but let's push something that we really don't want. Let's get that plant juicy. Then when we go cut it and cut it, shave it lower and lower, you're really injuring the plant on its way out the door, but yet you're fertilizing and getting that Bermuda grass growing, getting light to the plant, getting some heat down there to the Bermuda grass, get it going out of the ground. In the same time, you're beating the shit out of the ryegrass. Then these chemicals come along, and now we're starting to slow it down, whether it's kind of a growth regulator feel to it or... I know guys that would just wait until May and just high rates or the highest label rate of whatever SU that you can throw out there, which is a product that'll just start smoking the ryegrass and keep the and get the Bermuda grass going that way. But now you're living in this major ugly, you know, June. I always say golf in June sucks out here because golf courses are, you know, we're going through the transition area or transition time, and it that depends on the club. Like, what do you find that's of value? Do you want a kind of a weekend-out ryegrass where maybe that transition will take a little bit longer of the Bermuda grass getting going, or do you just want to say, fuck it, let's smoke this place so there isn't a blade of cool-season grass on this joint, and we just live with how ugly it's going to be um, my philosophy is in it always was this, Hey, let's balance it as much as we can. And I feel that with these lower rates of ryegrass and the competition that I'm creating, maybe we just now smoke it.
Maybe. We're going to try that on a couple holes next year. Let's go out there and smoke that ryegrass. Isn't this really fucked up that I'm sitting here talking about getting rid of the ryegrass and I've got three, four mows on my fairways, five mows on tees and approaches, and maybe seven or nine-ish on my greens. And I haven't even opened up from overseeding. Here we are, episode 114, and I'm talking already about fucking transition out of the ryegrass into the Bermuda grass season. That is the official statement of running as fast as you can and smashing your head against the wall. But hey, there's other guys in other parts of the country where they're maybe they're warming up thinking, hey, the snow's about to fly. We get to start air fine, shut this place down. Let's maybe throw out some seed. Let's throw some you know, pre-emergence. I don't know. Your whole process out there is kind of, even though I lived there forever, I was just a landscape. The process is completely different, but you're still changing gears like we are. Um, I think it's only really... Florida, Southern Texas, and maybe Southern California that kind of just hang in this. We're kind of still doing the same thing we always did. Maybe the grass just isn't quite growing as you know, crazy as it does in other parts of the time, but we ain't overseeding. We're not shutting down. I bet golf is really good. It's firm and fast. Uh, maybe they pick up. It depends on where you're at. Shit changes, right? Uh, I know Alaska is probably shut down. I'm going to go ahead and say that. Uh, Flagstaff, Arizona, which is three hours from here in Phoenix, 68, 7,000 feet it gets close to. Uh, it's more like 65, 68. Um, they're typically middle of October. So they're just about shutting down for the season, whether the snow flies or not, because you've got to worry about freezing up the irrigation lines. So they blow everything out, and the high-end clubs just shut down. Um, some of the public places stay open until actually it is covered with snow. So this time of year, it's all bouncing around and people got different things going on. All I can talk about is what the fuck's going on here. Um, another thing I want to do is give a thanks to, uh, Josh sends at, uh, golf.com. He, uh, he's always reaching out to me and, uh, he finds it very amusing, I think to reach out to me with like a weird question because he knows that when he asks me, he's going to get the real deal in me probably. I don't know. He feels that like a, a Friday morning is a perfect time to call me for one of his articles. I think he's figuring it out that he can fire something at me when he knows that I'm probably the hottest in my own head. And uh, this this past week he calls me about ball washers and asks, you know, what do we do, you know, to clean them, you know, all these processes. And I'm like, fuck those things. Um, my feeling at the golf course is, you know, the old ball washer, that thing needs to go away. It's gross. We don't have the staff to take care of it. Uh, and the regular golf would be like, what do you mean? And it's like, listen, we got to paint the things a couple times a year. If you want them out there, they break, fall apart. Maybe they sit in a spot where irrigation water hits it all the time so they're covered in you know residue from maybe the fertigation going out there so now you've got a person that's got to go out there and wash them um you got to clean the shit out of it what do you mean they got to clean shit out of them yeah you got to clean mud out of them whatever you're washing off your balls are going inside of these things so now the thing's filled with mud um it's really in my eyes it's a generational thing 
Uh, my father-in-law, John, love you, but I don't think I've ever seen you miss a ball washer. No matter if your ball was brand new or not, you go over there, you wash it, and I'm the whole time going, don't you just use your own towel? Um, you know, towels are an accessory where there's companies making huge money on putting designs and all this other shit. So there's like this generation, I feel, of like, that it's about having a cool towel on your bag. You know, it's got a magnet and you can throw it on the ground, snap it up with your club as you walk by, you lazy fuck, just bend it over. No, you need, need a magnet, you know, for the people that can't pick it up. But anyways, it's, everybody's got one. Well, let's, everybody's using them. So let's get rid of this issue of time and money and wastefulness, as far as I'm concerned, of having this three to $400 up these days for a brand new one for an amenity that kind of just sits there and i say this a lot you know trash cans ball washers bunker rakes um they're signs at the big you know the tea box it's like jesus christ it's just trash it's more things to be washed to be detailed my feelings let's get rid of those things you know, let's cut down on it. I know when we went to go play uh, the original Jingweed Invitational, we went to the Prairie Club in Valentine, Nebraska. It was tea markers, and I think I saw two trash cans out there, and then your flag sticks. Those are the only amenities on that entire golf course. And their motto is pure golf. And it's up to the person that brings the drinks, you know, in cups cans from the beers cans from the soda if you're going to bring them out there you let's bring them off it's like camping what you camp in you must camp out you know be a normal fucking human being and keep everything clean there and you know the wind blows at that place so hard that you don't even need a bunker right because when you hit out of the bunker you walk away and the wind is already taken care of raking it all right here i get it a little bit but you're not using them anyways you know, me and Dan sit here and we bitch about how many times, you know, we got to go out there and take care of these bunkers. And when you go out there and rake them in the morning, it's just covered in footprints and there's a rake sitting on the side of it. You know, it's like, hey, what are we doing dressing up these hazards? You know, this is a, a bunker should be, from what I understand, basically a half a stroke penalty for hitting into it. And you see the PGA Tour, what was it, the PGA Championship at the end of the year, going around on the internet was they're using pool noodles to smooth out the walls of their bunkers. And I think I said this before was, if I was Mr. Fucking Pool Noodle, I'd be real pissed that I didn't cash in on the entire golf industry, you know, for whatever you made. Here you are making something that some slob can sling underneath their armpits and float around because they can't fucking swim in a four-foot pool. And you made a, probably a lot of money off of that. But Jesus, you missed the boat on sticking these things cut into pieces in the bottom of a cup. Or now raking or maintaining bunkers with a pool noodle. And shit on Twitter was going around. Hey, has anybody seen or used a pool noodle to smooth out the walls of the bunkers? It's like, what the fuck are we doing? You know, spending all this time and money on a hazard. You know, let's drain the lakes. You know, I'd be, I always say, be happy you hit it in a bunker. You know, it may be shitty. It may not be raked. It's a fucking sand pit. 
but you can find your ball. It's not redlined. You know, your ball's not gone. That 425 for a tailor-made, you know, TPX, that's what I play. Um, and it doesn't cost me $4, but you pigeons that don't have a fucking deal with them, yeah, you're paying a lot of money. It, that thing could be gone. Be happy it's in the bunker. But it's just like, I don't know, the over-maintenance and all the shit that we put out there on the golf course, that was when we all had 30 guys on the crew at a big, you know, high end. My, you know, level of golf course, family-owned business should have 15 guys. We have seven. Seven people. That's enough to mow the grass. Got a call from the neighbor just, you know, today, actually. Hey, when are you going to take up the pick up the branches in the desert? Uh, it's right outside my house. I just put my house up for sale. Shockingly, you know, in the email. I've had a couple golf balls through my window, and my house is getting hit with golf balls, and also I had a golf ball through my car window. It's like, yeah, you live 127 yards left side, so all you righties slicing on a par three. Of course your house is going to get smoked. It ain't my problem to pick up the dead branches that are in the desert to try and sell your fucking house. You know, so we're not here, you people that buy homes on the golf course, we're not here to, you didn't just get a free landscaping company. You know, we run a business. You know, it's all about, why can't you clean it up? You're out there cleaning up everything else. Yeah, but we're cleaning up for our business. I wrote back to her, I said, hey, you know, ma'am, I hope that, you know, I can get over there soon. I can't make any promises because she did want a timeline. Can you... Make sure you give me a timeline of when you're possibly going to get over there. When you want something done, don't demand anything to the person that makes the decisions to move on with what you're asking for. Maybe a, hey, Matt, you know, if you guys get a chance, could you please help me out and maybe clean up those branches in the middle of the desert? Um, I got my house up for sale and I greatly appreciate it. The give me a timeline when you're going to get that done. Just scooted back that timeline. Again, I'm not here to, I'm not going to make any money off your home sale. So why am I going to clean up your backyard? Our rule around the golf course is, hey, let's make the desert, or the desert, we let it recycle itself. We say, so when something falls, it'll die, it'll decompose. And then lo and behold, here comes some fucking other mesquite tree or palo verde that grows off of one of the beans that it dropped, you know, a little while ago. And here it is, and then we're recovered. And uh, we get a, quite a few of those calls all the time. We put out a letter. We went door to door because I was tired of watching people stack shit on the golf course, backwash their pools right onto the middle, which in our town, that's illegal. So I had gotten with Martin and I said, hey, man, we got to put out a, a letter. So we put a letter together and went door to door with it. And uh, phone call a couple hours later, I think I mentioned this, phone call a couple hours later, after it reached her door, you know, whining and bitching and complaining about a tree that had fallen down, but it's in the desert. We're just letting that thing do its thing. It's not really, it might be blocking her view a little bit, but it's really off the golf course. Um, and then two more people hand wrote letters and mailed them back, which was, I thought was pretty cool. As wasn't the email or the, you know, message on, 
you know, whatever, Twitter, Instagram, or something like that, where they can punch away at or a text message. They actually took the time to write it out and mail one back to us. Um, of course, they're not happy about it. It wasn't like, hey, I agree with you. I, I never dump my shit on the backyard, you know, up against the golf course and hope that you guys clean it up. But I see my neighbors do it all the time. Way to go get them, boys. That was definitely not the way it is, but fuck it. At least it's reaching them. I told Martin to throw in to the middle of the article or the letter that he wrote. I said, you should have thrown in there like just randomly, just a random sentence in the middle of it all was like 10% off everything in the golf shop or 10% off golf or any money you spend here at the restaurant. You know, if you bring this letter back in and that I think would have been great because it would have shown that people actually read it. And it's like, hey, we can work together. Here's a little prize if you do take part in what we're trying to offer here. Um what else we got going? Hey, we got a couple big things coming. We got uh, next Friday, um, we reopen the golf course. Uh, we've got really going to launch the whole new menu and everything that uh, the golf course has been putting on for a little while. We're going to get hopefully some huge traffic. We're almost on the patio, but uh, there's one secret I will keep at bay for until next week, but we do have a pretty badass thing coming with the golf course and the podcast. Uh, it's something that I've been looking forward to for almost since we started this. And, uh, yeah, we're going to get to it next week. And uh, before we move on to the next thing that I'll probably bitch and complain about, I'm going to talk about this beer that I've been drinking. So this is, uh, I think I mentioned a couple weeks ago, that I live in kind of now the Bermuda Triangle of three pretty badass breweries. Uh, I got Simple Machine, uh, Lake Pleasant Brewery, and also a uh, new one that just opened up. It's uh, Kinsuni. It's a couple miles the other direction. Kinsuni Brewery, and I got the Forager New England IPA. I walked in there today after I get out of work just to pick up a four-pack because I figured I was going to get on this thing and just start running my mouth about whatever the fuck I felt like. Um, but this guy... He's been hanging out. I've seen him a few times at Simple Machine. I know they also did a collab brewery or beer with them. I know he worked with the guys at Lake Pleasant for a while um, as far as, you know, brewing beers. But this has been in the making since 2020 that he was going to open this thing up. Finally opened up last weekend. Uh, so I got the Forager New England IPA. Cool little, uh, cool little can. Uh, I guess the what I'm getting out of this is the logo goes around like a fox. And I don't even know what Kinsuni really means. But anyways, it's a little guy. He looks like a hobo walking through the, I would imagine that's snow. And he's scavenging for little hops. But uh, New England IPA, it's a uh, seven... Let me see, a 7.5% alcohol, 24 on the IBUs, so it's really low, no bitterness. It's, uh, I don't know. I think for a heavy, if you take that thing as an IPA, kind of high alcohol, you'd imagine it to be super bitter and gassy. Um, God, these. this is one of those ones that's right on the line for me. 
Of course, it's getting cooler out here at night, so this starts getting right into the wheelhouse of the beers I like when the weather changes to the really cool nights in beautiful days. Uh, we're sitting, uh, I think today it was, it got to 80, but with these rainstorms that rolled through, I know at one point after one of the rainstorms, my weather station said it was 69, and that was probably 2.30 in the afternoon, 3 o'clock, but uh, this kind of goes right in that wheelhouse of today. God, I want to say this is a birdie beer, but I'm just, I don't know if it's the hype of the new brewery, you know, right down the street, we got another one in the neighborhood I want to keep, I want to pump its wheels a bit, fuck it, this is a birdie beer, you know, good New England IPA, hazy as shit, because I had one while I was getting, picking up the four packs, once again, I do like it better out of the can, that little tinniness, uh, even takes whatever bitterness would be inside of that thing, uh, mellows it out a little bit, this is a really good beer. Uh, pretty cool brewery. Weird spot though. I will say that it's gonna it's gonna be off the road uh, for everybody that lives out here in Phoenix area. It's on the uh, southwest corner, sorry, southeast corner of Thirty Second Street and Bell Road, uh, behind the Harbor Freight, where you can go pick up your wicked fucking cheap tools, uh, grab a Starbucks, and uh, hit Kinsuni Brewery. It's a really, it's a fucking good beer. They only have a couple of them. They just really just started. Uh, they bring, they brought in a few of the uh, locals here. I know one of Simple Machines breweries that, uh, beers are there. Renhouse beers are there. A um, couple other ones, but cool little spot. They do food trucks, no food inside there. But hey, if you got, you're in the area, give them a check out or hit that little triangle that I'm talking about. And I promise not going to be disappointed. Uh, one of the last things I definitely want to touch upon before I get out of here, because it'll be a short one. Anybody seen Brolo? Brolo's Golf Gear. Uh, Brolo is uh, not going to be a sponsor of this podcast because I'm going to fucking smash this place right now. You've got to go to Brolo.me. It is. It's fucking Banana Lance. So... It's a company that is introducing the world's first sleeveless men's polo. Talk about sausage fest. So they've come up with a collared, you know, the whole, oh, you got to wear a collared shirt. You know, you can't wear T-shirts and cut off shirts, cut off jeans at the golf course. Well, they found a loophole apparently and put a bunch of juiced out dorks in collared sleeveless shirts and their logo is is well the name of the company is brolo so it's b-r-o-l-o well the l is a flexing bicep muscle like hulk hogan style it's you got to check this thing out but i think at the golf course we're going to change you know the dress code to make sure that it says you know, it always says collared shirt, collared with sleeves. But I can't believe there's a company that came out. These guys are like, yeah, we're going to make fucking millions off of this. We're going to take a collared shirt and we're going to cut the sleeves off so we can go golf in it. And it's p- 
purely golf-based is what I'm finding on this website is that it is legitimately made for this. So you got the first one. It's called America. And obviously it is exactly that. It's an obnoxious American flag eagle, bald eagle on it. And then it's Chai Town. It looks like the skies, you know, city skyline of Chicago. You know, whatever that... Who? What is with the... And Dan's a Chicago fan. Why have I never asked him this? It's got to be... The state flag is of Chicago is got to be the blue lines and the red stars on it. I mean, I don't want to be called a fucking ding-dong here. But... And I'm imagining it is because I see it on all the shit. But tell me if I'm right or wrong or indifferent. Break my balls because I'll break yours. Uh, the next one is a blue camo. The other one's to the moon. It's a yellow shirt with Bitcoin all over it. Sleeveless collared shirt. Vegas Nights. You can imagine what that one is. For the birds, it's some Toucan Sams all over it. It is the most wild shit that i've seen and i can't imagine that this is was anybody see this on shark tank i didn't i'm just wondering if it's there but about us brolo world's first sleeveless men's polo brolo was founded as a funny as a fun company designed to fill simple needs super comfortable sleeveless men's polos and then the picture right there is some slob actually they put a slob on here that that looks great on him uh, next to a guy that is probably in a lot more shape. Shirt tucked in, walking down the street, and he's got, looks like a giant Coors Light in his hand. Uh, but anyways, this is from Brooks Kepka. Ooh, golf has always had a persona of the triple pleated khaki pants, the button-up shirt, very country club atmosphere. Where it does always have, where it doesn't always have to be that way. Quote, Brooks Kepka. It doesn't even match what the fuck you're trying to sell. Ay, vey. Listen, I'm about, obviously, I'm about having a good time drinking beers and having fun with your friends. But, uh, this is unreal. Welcome to Brolo. One of my, this is an ad. Hey, welcome to episode 114 of From the Jingweeds. Uh, sorry, Southwest Turf Support, but this week, Brolo's going to take care of us because I'm just, I'm fascinated by this. Uh, one of my favorite things about golf is the time spent with friends, drinking some beers, enjoying the weather, and talking some trash. Hey, wait a second, Brolo. That's my tagline. Play golf, drink beers, talk shit. And okay, I'm, I might have to come after these guys. Unfortunately, golf always uh, doesn't always love the drinking beer and talking trash. Uh, who are you guys playing with? I read an article about Brooks Kepka talking about the same thing in 2020. Golf traditions are nice, but some of them are pretty stuck up. I thought it was total BS when the guys from Four Play Podcast caught some heat fist bumping Tiger at the Masters. Tiger didn't care. Why should these other people? What? Folks? Brolo, give me a call. I'll have you on. 
but what are you talking? This, this is what I'm reading. I'm reading off of their website. After seeing these events unfold and thinking how many traditions can at times be a barrier to younger people, I decided to make things happen. Enter the Brolo, world's first sleeveless men's polo. Oh my God. The Brolo is a product of a shit ton, big letters, shit ton of work over, la- over the last year. Building out size charts. Remember, there's no such thing as men's sleeveless polos until now. That was in little parentheses. Uh, building out a website, sourcing product, getting multiple samples and refining them. I'm glad to be finally done and able to offer a product that I can be proud of. Our goal is to include as many people as possible in the game of golf and maybe make a little a little less traditional. We hope the Brolo will be part of that movement. Oh, man. I swear to God, I hope I see a couple of the Brolos running around just to watch us go, mm, you know what? I'm not sure that's part of it. But, hey, listen, today's day. Most of women's clothes have sleeveless, so why can't these guys do it? I just think it's target on the back and let me break your balls. Fine, come on out, tuck it in. Look good, boys. Uh, We look forward to being... Oh, Jesus. Well, here I am breaking their balls. I can't even fucking read. We look forward to being your store for the first and best sleeveless men's polo in the world. For decades to come. It's a big fucking statement. See you on the course. And you scroll up. And there's two gentlemen laying in the grass. Arm wrestling. Laying down on their bellies. Arm wrestling. On. I'm sure it's a golf. Yeah I guess it's a golf course. I can see a green in the back. But some long ass gnarly grass. That would be some hell of some rough. Shot Brolo now. What do these things go for? No sleeves. Hopefully there's a deal. Like everything else, 55 to 75 bucks. Is everything 55 to 75 bucks? But anyways, hey, Brolo. Want to come on? Mm. Want to be a sponsor? It's no competition. It's Southwest Turf Sport. So I'm sure that we can uh, we can work out a deal. But good Lord. Bring that thing to Shark Tank and let Mr. Wonderful fucking chew that thing to death. Uh, I got nothing else, man. That was just a quick little walk around the park. Uh, a little bit of a bitch session. Get some shit off my chest. Thank you to Kinsu, uh, the Forager New England IPA. Got ourselves a, a fresh off the bat birdie beer. And uh, next week, listen in. We got some good shit coming. Later! Stay fast, everybody.
saying they could take out Adam Horowitz. Hurricane. Got cloud. Other DJs. Put your head out. I'm fucking on the string. I'm playing the same. I'm rhyme. I do my thing. I'm in a lava lamp. It's in my brain. I'm telling why my life is in the beginning. But I rock well. The bad dude go. And then I bust the tingle. Got more rhymes than Jamaican got men. I got the pink link. Half stand on my stove bar. Hey, yo, rope. Thank <laughs> you. 